and speaking on a message, of course, set free by truth. And I'm sure some of you are already in, ah, we know where this is taking us. And yeah, it's a familiar um, topic, but I'm really excited to unfold to you today how the truth really sets us free. And I trust today that God, he will reveal truth to each one of us. And I believe God will bring freedom in the house as we encounter that truth. I'm also excited about this message because I stand as a living testimony of that message. And that always, when it is something God has already worked in your life, it carries a different weight when you deliver and bring a message. So, here we go. Set free by truth. And I'd like to, us to start, take you back in time to a moment that forever changed history. A moment that changed the course of hum humanity. A moment that brought great sorrow to the heart of God, yet it did not leave him defeated. Yes, you're right, we're back in the garden. We're back in the garden where it all began, where the story of us humans began, where we fell because we as humans bought into the lie. And I want to share this story to you just to unfold how we bought into the lie. And then later we're going to look at a different story of how we conquer and overcome the lie with truth later. But I want to read the story to you. I know it's familiar, but I would like us to have the full context today. So we're in Genesis chapter 1 and verse, sorry, Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit and that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked. So they stood fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman. Do you know that sentence? The woman. Look at this one. Put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Amen. Father God, this morning we come to you and we open our hearts to the word you have for us this morning because we know that when we know the truth, when we know it not just in our head but in our hearts, it will set us free. So we open our hearts for your truth this morning and we ask Holy Spirit that you will come and reveal it to us in a personal way, that you will encounter us afresh this morning 
and bring freedom and new revelation into our lives. In Jesus' name, we bless your word. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, here comes the story. We're going to dig into it a bit verse by verse. It begins with, Now the serpent was more crafty than all of the other wild animals. The Amplified Version says, Subtle or skilled in deceit. Now I needed to check it up. What does it mean to be crafty? Wikipedia tells us to be crafty means to be clever at achieving one's aim by indirect or deceitful methods. Okay, the enemy is crafty. He works by deceitful methods. That little sneaky. And right from the beginning of Scripture, we get a revelation of the strategies here that is important for us to catch. Because I think so often we're called, oh, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But to overcome him is not enough to know his purposes. You need to know his strategies. And he is crafty. He works by deceit. He's this sneaky person. And what does he say? Did God really say? The oldest lie in the world. Did God, are you sure? Are you really sure? Did God really tell? Am I sure? You know, I tell you, that lie still is alive today, but it started right from the beginning. Did God tell you? And what did he put into question? The very word of God. The word of God did he put into question right from the beginning. What do we know about the word of God? Psalm says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It is standing firm and it is unchangeable. The promises of God are yes and in him, amen. Sorry, are in him, yes, and in him, amen. For the glory of God. How dare you, enemy? Did God really say? Yes, because his word is settled in heaven. It is standing firm and it is unchangeable. I need an amen here. Do you get that? The enemy comes in as soon as he can. Crafty, sneaky, did God really say? But yes, God did say, my word stands firm. It is unchangeable. It is unshakable. It is yes and amen. That's the word of God. Yet the enemy, he dares to question it. It gets me annoyed. You know, how dare you? But that's what he does. When God speaks... Who am I to question? I think it's so often because God doesn't always speak in a, or I've never heard him in an audible voice. I would love to, but normally he speaks to my heart. But even the audible voice can be questioned. But you know, it's like, oh, I'm not sure this was God or was this just my own thoughts. Have you been there? You know, mm, not sure. And then instead of acting on it, here comes, did God really say? And we look at the apple. No, maybe he did not say, but hey, when God speaks, it is meant to activate faith in us, and on that word we stand. I just spent five months in South Africa. I call it under the wings of a prophet. It was under the wings of God, but it was a a great, um, well-known, well-recognized prophet. And I think one of the things that really taught me is the confidence in God's word, both the written and the spoken. But when God speaks... Sometimes he speaks of things that are yet to come, and we think, I don't see the evidence. I can't even find it in my Bible. It lines up, but it doesn't say that I need to go to Nigeria. But hey, if God speaks, don't listen to this one. Did God really say? No, because God's word stands firm in heaven. It is settled and unchangeable, and it is meant to activate faith in me. It's a lie when we listen to did God really say. Hey, I'm not saying don't 
get confirmation and all of that. But I think that sometimes it's robbing us when there comes an impression from God. And instead of saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you with this. I'm praying into this. I'm walking on this. We turn to the lie. I said, oh, did God really? I'm not sure. I'll, I'll put it on the shelf. And what did, what did, then he says, did God really say? And here comes the lie. We, I'm in verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. <sighs> the God, the enemy brought the very nature of God into question. He put the word of God into question and the nature of God because why? God, he put up boundaries for Adam and Eve because he loved them. He cared for them. And that is still our loving Father. He still has put up boundaries around us to protect us. But the enemy comes to say, uh-uh, his motive is to hold back on you. Christians, oh, you know, those people, they are not allowed to A, B, C, D, and E. And if you, have, if you really say yes to God, you're saying no to all of this. And God is holding back on He has everything in heaven, but he's holding back on Have you heard that lie before? Yes. But God is a loving Father. And he puts boundaries to protect us and care for us. And it's a lie of the enemy when he puts the very nature of God into question and says, God is not really good. He doesn't really love you. That was what he put into question here. And then he says, and you will be like God. The enemy wanted man to follow in his own rebellion to be like God. He's not very creative, you know. He only has one, a few tools, and once you know them, it's the same repeating. He wanted us to follow him. He wanted to be like God. Now he said to Eve, oh, he can be like God. What a lie. What a deceit. And what happened? In verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking, as they normally did, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I heard a message from Open Church in Denmark last Sunday. And she was in the story as well. She said, remember, guys, the clothes were not suddenly falling off. They were naked all the time, okay? It was not a like, oh, I've lost my clothes here. It was a realization, oh, I am naked, so let me better hide. The Amplified Version says, the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord. The lie separates us from the presence of God. It doesn't hinder his love. He still loved them. He clothed them. He cared for them. But the lie hinders us in coming freely into the presence of God because shame comes upon us. Hebrews talks about let us with confidence draw into the presence of God. And the lie separates us from freedom because suddenly, oh, I'm naked. I need to hide. <clears throat> and the story ends with the serpent deceived me. Eve realized this. He didn't come in a loud voice, better eat the apple, I'm forcing you, look at all of this. No, no, no. Did God not really say? And Eve realized, I've been deceived. That's the strategy of the enemy. It is, he's crafty, he's subtle, he's deceitful, and he sneaks in so that none of us realizes this before we have eaten the apple and realized I'm naked and, oh, he deceived me. Often we don't realize the lies we're carrying. They might be birthed out of a traumatic experience, something you uh, experienced in childhood. I think every culture 
has his own lies that we can buy into. Or maybe there was just a moment in time where you were open and looked at the apple and for a moment thought, mm, that apple looked nice. And you opened the door and said, okay, I, I just opened the door for the lie of the enemy to come in and to be, believe the lie. Did God really say? Are you sure what God called you to is really calling? Are you sure what you're doing at the moment is really God? Are you sure? You know, that little subtle came in. And because he is crafty and deceitful, we seldom recognize this. But we accept a little lie, and it becomes, it grows into a stronghold, and it starts to shape who we think he is because he is put into question. And when his nature is put into question, it questions our identity as well. Who am I in him? Are you with me? Sometimes I think it can be a lie that in the natural, ah, no, I know this is not true. I'm not a failure because I'm a child of God and he loves me and I go to the house of the Lord. But hey, there's just something in me that I don't really want to re realize it, but there's something that holds on to that. Deep down, I do think I'm a failure. And there's something my soul is clinging onto, and I'm thinking, why can't I move forward in this area? And I think sometimes there needs to be a realization, hey, yes. I'm actually believing a lie that I'm a failure. And I need to accept that's what I have believed. Then I can repent. I believed a lie and I can be free. The lie can also be covered in shame. I don't think Adam and Eve necessarily knew, oh, we're believing a lie here. That's not normally how it works. Thank you, enemy. I am accepting the lie into my life. But they realized the shame. Hmm? Shame came when they were naked. Shame makes us feel unworthy. It feels like, oh, don't look at me because I'm emotionally naked. And shame comes in. And shame comes with a lie. So when the cloud of shame hit us, there's a need to say, what am I actually believing? Because often our negative emotions, and they can be very big and very overwhelming, and you're like, oh, I feel I'm dying in this. We need to ask ourselves, what is, what is the lie that I'm believing right now that feeds my emotions? Suicide. Not something we talk so often about, but suicide, suicidal thoughts are a lie. It is believing the lie that there is no hope. And trust me, there can be evidence. It does not the same, the reality can be real. There is no more hope for me. But that reality is based on a lie because I know I have an anchor that is firmly planted in the presence of God, and it tells me there's hope. There is hope in Jesus, and his name is Jesus. And I don't mind how difficult it looks and how difficult your life is. There is hope in Jesus. That's the truth. And that truth will set us free. Loneliness. Loneliness is a lie. Oh, but I, I have no one. No, I don't. I have no friends. No one cares about me. 
I'm in this church and I've been here for three years and no one loves me. It's a lie. It might be very real. You might not feel you have any friends. But God says you belong in the family. And I have planted you among brothers and sisters who love and who care for you. And I know enough people in this church to know that there's plenty of people loving you and caring you. They might not know you yet. We need to get to know one another. But to believe the lie that you are lonely, that's a lie. Because God says you belong. You cannot be lonely when you belong. So, how do we deal with this? Did I really skip my own slide? Sorry, my guys. Can we go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 25? Because this summarizes our story. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Isn't that an interesting scripture? They exchanged the truth. They knew the truth because God had been speaking, and they exchanged it with a lie, and it erupted their identity, erupted their destiny, erupted their intimacy with God. And that's what happens to us if we take the lie, the truth about God, and we exchange it for a lie. Okay, so now let's look at how do we do the opposite. How do we take the lie and exchange it with the truth about God? Because that's where we find the freedom. Jesus said, and you know the scripture, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will, let's practice that again. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will, you will know the truth, and it will set you three. Pilate said, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. The Word of God, because Jesus is the Word and the Word is Jesus. The Word of God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. If you hold on to my teachings, his teachings are the truth. Where's, here it is. Can we make a donation for Sam's new Bible, or at least a cover for Sam's Bible? See, this is one knowing the truth. This is what a Bible should look like. Well used, taken everywhere, put in the mud and in the dirt. But a cover would be helpful, okay? If you want to bless Sam, he needs a new cover for his. This is the truth. It is settled in heaven. It is standing firm. It is unchangeable. It is alive today. And it needs to be something that we are carrying with us and in our hearts. And that knowing of the truth, that knowing is not how you know something from school. It is an experiential knowledge. Actually, as I looked into the, the different um, aspects of that knowing, there's the aspect that you need to know someone or something in detail. And I'm like, wow, that's a big thing because our God is a big God. So that's for life to get to know him in detail. It's also a technical thing, knowing something technically. Knowing how does God work? What are his ways? How do I unlock the supernatural in my life? How do I unlock his promises? How does he operate? That's also part of knowing. But knowing is also a personal experience. And knowing is a face-to-face -face encounter. Oh, I could stay on this subject. When we get a face-to-face -face encounter with the truth, 
that is something different than knowing it. It is not just quoting scriptures. Then it becomes a hard thing. And this knowing, interesting, the word for knowing here, you should know the truth, is the same word that was used in Genesis 4. It says, Abraham knew Eve. Where am I? Abraham knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. We don't need to go into details here. But how many know she do not conceive a son by, hey, Eve, hi, Adam, da-da, here's a son. That's not how it works. The youth are laughing at me now. That's not how it works because it's a deep, intimate experience. And God says that about his word. He says, I want you to know the truth intimately, personally, face-to-face encounter, so it lives in you, so it's alive in you, because that's how you exchange the truth about God with a lie, when it's inside of you. Jesus came to earth to overcome and defeat the enemy, and he did that on the cross, praise God, and interestingly, he had to pick it up where man failed. Before Jesus started his ministry, he needed to go back where man failed, the same test, did God really say. And when man looked at the apple and thought, hmm, did God really say? Jesus was put to the same. Did God really say? But he had a different response. Let's read Matthew 4 from verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, the deceiver, the crafty one, we know him now, okay? We've already learned about him in Genesis, so we know how he operates. And it's the same, if you are the Son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It happens three times. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Jesus shows us the example. The enemy is the same. If you're the son of God, then prove yourself. Sometimes we've been thinking, well, is that a big lie? You know, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, show some muscles. Just a little miracle to prove yourself. Who wouldn't care if you, you can just heal someone for me or just show a little bit of power. Is there anything wrong in that? He's crafty, isn't he? Because what is he doing? He's again putting the word of God on the line. He says, if you're the son of man. But do you know what happened in the very last verse before this happened? Jesus was baptized. And the voice of God, the audible voice from heaven came and says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. The devil heard it. Jesus heard it. The people around him heard it. You are the son of God. And in the next verse, did God really say? Hey, sometimes people say, if I just heard the audible voice of God or if an angel came to me, I would believe. I'm here to tell you that's not true. Even when the audible voice is over the man, the son of man, the son of God, the enemy still comes. If you really are the son of God. Cheeky him, hey? The word of God was in question and the identity put on Jesus. 
That's the same one again and again. The word that God has spoken over us, our calling, our destiny, our belonging to him, who we are in him, the enemy comes and says, did God really say? And don't wait for God to write it on the wall because the enemy will still question, oh, that was just someone painting a nice picture for you, okay? What did Jesus say? It is written. Man said, hmm, let me think. Jesus had no time to think. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's the answer. When God says, you are my daughter, and the enemy says, if you are my daughter, you say, no, the word of God says, I am his. I belong to him. He died for me. He set me free. I'm under the blood. An enemy, I might have failed in the past, but I am not a failure. Because I'm under the blood. And there's grace enough for me. That's another lie, you know. Yeah, I know there's grace. I know he died for you. But this mistake was a little bit too big for the blood. Have you had that one? Oh, I've done all the mistakes that are a little bit too big for the blood. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know, enemy. No. It's all under the blood. Okay? It's all under the blood. Repent and you can be free. The Amplified Version says, it takes a steady stream of words from the mouth of God. Same verse. Man shall not live on bread. It takes a steady word, stream of words from the mouth of God. And that, to me, speaks of, you know what? I'm sorry to say, the bad news is he's not going to shut up. The enemy, he'll continue. The good news is once you know his strategies, he doesn't have any new ones. But he's going to keep doing this. The same ones. Did God really say, if you are, are you sure? Da, 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 da. So it takes a steady stream of the word of God. It needs to, we need to meditate, to memorize, to walk with it, to read it, to listen to it, to hear it, to have the personal encounters with it. It needs to be something we breathe. As I say, put it on your walls. Put it, bathroom is a good place. Laminate it first. You bath every day, right? So you can have it all over your, cover your bathroom. Wherever you are, wherever you see it, put it in front of your eyes, put it in your heart, because it takes a steady stream of words from the mouth of God. And the test was repeated to Jesus three times. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, and third time, if you will bow down. And worship. If just for a moment you would swap identities, I know you're the Son of God, but just for if you could for a moment let me be the true God of this world. Same lie again and again. If you are, if you are, if you are. And what did Jesus say? Maybe we should say it together three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. Because that's the response. It is written or it is spoken over me. And then the enemy backs off. He has no more. And sometimes we need to repeat the, the truth more than three times. If it's really a stronghold, it might take you ten times, twenty, I don't But he will back off. You will conquer the lie. You will replace the lie with the truth about God. That will give you freedom. There might come a new lie, but it's the same pattern. We break it off with the word of God. Set free by truth. 
So we all need to know the truth, to really know it, to have that constant flow of the voice of God in our lives. It is the written word that is alive and active and standing firm in heaven. It is also the spoken word of God that he speaks to us in many different wonderful ways by his spirit as he brings revelation into our hearts. And this is important, an important aspect to bring because I can read stories about how Jesus, he healed thousands and the multitudes. I can quote scriptures about that God is my healer. But it's a different story when Jesus looks me into his eyes and he says, I am your healer. Because now when the enemy comes to say, you're not going to win this battle over sickness, I can say, enemy, it is written. Or he says, I am your healer. And I know it. You know, it's not something I've just heard about. I know it because Jesus spoke it to me. And I've looked him in his eyes and he told me, I am your healer. And that's a word for me to stand on. Then I can go and find a scripture and say, Lord, my God, I called to you and you healed me. So my confession says, Jesus, you are my healer, and I called to you, and you healed me. The enemy is not going to win this battle. Off he goes. He's not that powerful. We've got the word of God living inside of us. He has to back down because you know the truth has set me free. The same prophet we were with, he said, it is actually to walk in the truth of who he is in your life. To know him, and on his word, I will risk my life. Because I know he who speaks is faithful. That's how much we weigh the word of God. Written and spoken. So today, I'm going to walk you through that pattern of replacing lie with the truth about God. And the first thing we need to do is to recognize the lie or the lies. And hey, if you end up with 10 or 20, I've been there. It's fine. It's still under the blood. <laughs> but we need to deal with them one by one, okay? So today, then you just pick one. But I am going to pray 